Once upon a time, in a land far away, there lived a nameless monster, the monster dying to have a name. So he decided to set out on a journey to find his name. It's strange how that all ties into monster, isn't it? Like, yeah, that is uh, scarily strange how that all ties in into it because of the f you really it really is a case of like you need to reread it to actually get the full meaning of that. Yeah, like I I consumed this series at, like way back, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, before we decided to do this. I saw this originally back when Sci-Fi Channel used to air anime, right? It's telling you how old that is. And then finding the anime itself was so difficult. Um, because we never it, got, at least in the U.S., I don't think the... The, the UK never got it. Like So I had to um, do what um, I criticized others for doing, but in this case I had no choice. I had to... Um, I had to um, do, yeah, the pirating. Yeah, we're a minute in. Um, but, like, it's so strange because we see this happen with a lot of the series. And then before we get into it, we see a lot of these get, like, a partial print or a partial um, release in, you know, most countries. But oddly, Australia, I believe it was, the, the region for Australia got a full DVD release of it. No, they only got, like, according to reviews, it was only, like, the first 15 episodes. That was the American print. Uh, Australia, or one of the, one of the regions for DVDs got a full release. Uh, I believe it was Australia or New Zealand. Because um, there's full box sets for the series floating around out there that got released. Ah, uh, yeah, here, here we go. Um, yeah, uh, it was Australia. Um the, the complete series. Uh, guess how much it is on eBay? $337, I believe. No? for uh, It's actually only 108, 180 Australian dollars, which is um, 92 pounds here. Wow. Like, what, the last time I looked at it, it was like in the 300s. It might have went down because Netflix has it now. Yeah. That's something I'm really glad. So a lot of people can actually see this if they don't want to read the manga. But we're talking about the manga here. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but one thing I want to say on that front is that I'm not sure if they did update this, but I think it's only in the Japanese version that you get Monster, which is a shame because um, people often criticize, like, oh, what's better, dub for sub? Like, I would absolutely put Monster in, like, the absolute must-watch for dubs. Yeah, I can check really quick. I got my phone here. Um, okay. I don't want to play it on the actual recording. I got my phone muted. Uh, so no audio will pipe through. Okay. Um, so I guess my experience with Monster is like w with Fex, it was due to the it was due to the anime, and then obviously Fizz f thankfully brought out the perfect edition, so I got all of them, and then I went ahead and read the manga, and then for this video, I went back, uh, I went back and reread it, and rereading it um, again after all uh, after all these years, it's like. It really showed just how uh, amazing of a series it is, how woefully tight knit connected of a series it, it is. That it's just mind boggling to think that the way Urasawa wrote wrote the story and how much detail it's almost it's almost to the level of older with One Piece sometimes. Yeah. So you have Japanese and French um, on Netflix. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, yeah, I can still say I can still say my point. Like monster, if I was if I was gonna, I mean, I know people, I know some people who just can't watch dub, but I seriously strongly because I've got to say, um, Keith Silverstein as Johan is possibly one of the creepiest, scariest performances ever. Yeah, I'm. I, I agree with you here. Like, I I hold very few dubs above subs. I find them both equally well made. Uh, Cowboy Bebop is one of them. Code Geass is one of them. Monster is another. Um, and, you know, all of those really do kind of resonate with me for, like, the era in which I was watching anime as well. So it is a little bit of internal bias. Um, I also view the the dub of Dragon Ball better um but that's also because i grew up watching it like yeah um i do respect the fuck out of the sub and having goku voiced by the same person for the entirety of it that is amazing oh yeah um but yeah um the reason why i would put uh, monsters dub in high regard is just for the fact that as a series you really need like um you really need to be paying attention to every single little nook, nook and cranny about about it. Like, even if you're looking down to um, to look at the subtitles, like you you can't be doing that. Like you, it's a series that you need to 100% be paying attention all the time. Yeah, I I have really bad ADHD, so I would catch myself like flipping through TikTok and uh, doing you know, random things, listening to a podcast in the background while I was even reading this. Um, because I finished reading it uh, while I was on my little vacation. Uh, and I lost a giant chunk of my notes thanks to fucking Spirit Sci-Fi. Um, but there's a lot of background details in this series that makes all the difference. And down to that fairy tale even. Like that is a prevailing theme throughout this entire series. And I adore when a series makes you think about every potential outcome every little minute detail mattering i love when something's masterfully planned like that and monster is one of those series where like you even if you don't think it's gonna matter it's gonna matter and something yeah every character's like interconnected relationship every little background detail in an interrogation room every suspect that is questioned in the first giant chunk of the series each one of them will be tied back into something. Yeah, because um, to to um, add on to what Fex has just said, like you see, um, throughout the first half of the series, Temma going on the going on the journey to kind of like train himself for eventually um, uh, confronting Johan. Um, but later on in the series, and all the people he meets on on the way, and has an influence over, he has an influence over eventually um you think like oh you're never going to see these people again but when um oh, there's going to be spoilers in this in in this as well like you can't talk about monster without without spoiling it like it's just not it's just not going to happen uh so when Temer eventually does get captured you see all the all the people that he helped throughout the series to that point actually um looking up and saying like wait he got arrested we've got to go and help him down to like so, Peter, uh, Grimmer, you know, Lunge, all of these like characters that are so deeply woven into this web that Rosala has actually put out. 
it's so fascinating to see how their paths begin to cross as we get further and further in. Uh, but I guess we should like start with the first volume here and just kind of work our way down. Um, my notes end at where I started chap uh, volume five because I guess the in-flight Wi-Fi didn't want to save six through nine. So I'll leave a lot of that to your note taking. Um, but <clears throat> when we go through that like intro arc where we're introduced to like our main three, right? Tenma, um, or I guess four of our main characters, Tenma, Lunge, uh, Nina, and Johan, right? We go, we yeah. see Tenma working up through the ranks of the hospital where he starts at and where he's like going on this like wonderful little journey of self-exploration in his career he fought tooth and nail to get up to where he was he was in uh the position to get like director directorial ship over the hospital itself you know it's and then everything goes to shit once johan's brought into the fray and yeah and it just it just begged it's just such a morally it it's uh, it's so often like um like um talked about in fiction like if you had if you knew that this person would grow up to um become the most evil person ever would you um could you actually hurt that child yeah so there's there's a little disclaimer i want to put here um there will be discussions about like Nazi Germany because of the time period in which this was actually taking place um, from the beginning and like the fall of Berlin Wall is really heavily uh, mentioned in here um, and a lot of parallels uh, from Johann to Adolf um, because of the nature of the orphanage in which Johann was raised. Uh, and what its actual purpose was in the universe that was created here. Obviously, all of this is fictitious um, to the degree of storytelling in the manga. But um, obviously, we do realize that, like, historically speaking, the Nazi regime did human experimentation. And it would be kind of, like, horrible to not mention, like, the level of which we actually see in the story. So if that's not something you want to actually hear about, you know, uh, probably don't want yeah. to watch this video. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I understand um, uh, fully if people can't watch it, but at the same time, it 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 needs to be said because I really, at the moment, hating the... Because I feel like Monster, as I said, if it was written today, it probably... Uh, I mean... Uh, I don't know. I don't know because I've not read Asadora. Uh, it, it was latest work, who, uh, which I'd said is another one of his masterpieces. But at the same time, I feel like if Monster was written today, it would garner some uh, a, some yeah, controversy. Con a little bit of controversy to it. Um... Yeah, yeah, and I really, I really hate like the people who are like who are uh, who. They, they, it's ironic. It's ironic that people want to um, censor the past and like not talk about these things. And yet, how are they do it? How are they doing that by basically doing the exact same thing the people of the past uh, did, uh, did to uh, did to others? Because they're basically erasing er erasing stuff from existence and pretend like nope, this doesn't happen. But the thing is, we need to know these stories need to be told so that we can actually learn from them. 
Yeah, I, I I understand being sensitive to the Lord's topics fully. There's topics I don't like to discuss. Um, yeah, there's topics I don't uh, I really don't like to discuss as well. But obviously, like uh, works of fiction, I don't want to read. There's obviously like stories I don't want to watch. But yeah, you know, taking but, the, I, the actual history of the universe away is something that I'm not a fan of. Um, yeah, and I, and go ahead. Uh, yeah, and preventing others from discovering it and learning for themselves and deciding if if it's all right for them. I, uh, I, I feel uh, I feel the best way is to be like, look, I don't agree with this, but if you if you agree with it, we can respect that and move on. You know, the, uh, if we don't learn from the past, we're doomed to repeat it. And uh, yeah, something, obviously, this is told from a very anti that uh, perspective. But it does have the mentionings of that time period and everything, because we're seeing like the fallout from the Second World War. We're seeing the um, the fall of the Berlin Wall. We're seeing a lot of these like historical movements and people needing to adjust in society. And um, we're seeing like the the way immigrants were treated in those countries, and we're seeing a lot of that um, even to this day, like how immigrants are treated here in America, um, where. We have liberal camps for them, um, even though no human is illegal. Um, but yeah, it's just something that I felt there was a disclaimer we need to mention. Um, and obviously, Tama yeah. being a Japanese citizen in Germany and during this uh, story, obviously there's like some hostility there um, because and, members uh, of that party trying to retain what little power they have. Yeah, and obviously, uh, obviously, um, when we um, uh, when we when we first meet the um, the director of the hospital, his superior, um, obviously, a little bit of elite elitism, elitism class as well that we get with uh, with them, with the fact that he uh, he he's all about like um, keeping the image of the hospital like this pristine, perfect condition, even though uh, even though. It's doing it at the expense of like, um, oh, we're put, we're putting the value of um, of one person over and over and over, which completely goes against Temer's ideology. Like, no life, no life is um, is what is uh, above others when it comes to like saving them. Mm-hmm. While we're going through this first volume, we see um, two big plot points, uh, which are very foundation laying we see the nina wanting to prove to herself initially that johan isn't evil even though we find out later on that she knows it but she doesn't want to believe it and yeah. we also see the beginning of timba's training here in this volume and that training is with a former soldier where he's going through like the same training that we would see militaristically in that time period where he's have to go through all of these gauntlets to kind of learn how to essentially take a life because his goal now is to take down Johan after watching him start his rampage and before it gets too late. But obviously as all things a manga, he's not going to do it easily. 
Oh no, absolutely, absolutely not. It, it, Temma throughout the story, throughout the story, start. He, he's a character that I would say starts off um, really optimistic about optimistic about his world um, and everything around it, but then as he further gets into this web of just like who Johan is, what his connection to everyone in the story is, what how it relates to the monster inside him is growing. Like you see Temma go through hell and back throughout this story. And the reason I brought up um, the experimentation is we get to uh, 555 very quickly. Or 511 very quickly here. And volume 2, actually. Why the fuck is my phone going off when I have the link off? Um, yeah, which is something that always... Uh, this is just this is just me being like a massive fanboy and a massive nerd. Just something that always uh, always like gives me gives like a little twitch in my ear of like... Um, of like, no, it's not. It's not said like that. Is when people call it Kinderheim five one one. No, it's five one one Kinderheim. Yeah, which Kinderheim kind of leads into like young child, right? Like kindergarten age child. So they're experimenting yeah. on children that are like four or five years old in this, um, all to create this perfect soldier, um, and that's where that, you know, Nazi Germany era experimentation comes into play and at the wonderful expense of these young children to a absolute sadistic degree we're seeing that all the records are gone we're seeing that all of this information that could lead to an early demise for johan and an early victory of proving his innocence because at this point like lunge is thinking that Tenma is the killer. Uh, yeah, the and Johan. Yeah, and Johan is a figment of his imagination. Despite all, uh, even even later on in the story, he still thinks that this, uh, despite all evidence, all evidence leading to that, no, Johan is most definitely real. I mean, we see him, you know, presented with pictures, photographic evidence, and massive doctoral theses on the fact that this is an actual human fucking being, but because. Lunge has this perfectionist streak. He doesn't ever want to believe that he's yeah. wrong, and that's yeah, such and a human trait. Like even that, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I I want to talk about him him uh, as well as because he he's fascinates me because he um I'll, he might be what um one of the first um uh, like one of the earliest forms of representation for an autistic person in uh, in a manga because look at his mannerisms and everything how he's so dedicated to his job that at times he can feel like um an emotionless robot to people around him even though he very clearly has emotions it's just not shown in great detail but um he has like just the most photographic memory and like i've always said in other videos it's like it very much is like me when it's like I I can get distracted and not think about other things, but when it comes to like say say something like Monster, I can I can memorize it down to the last little last little detail at times, and it's like, and that's just what fascinates me so much about Lung as a character. Yeah, it's it's so wild. Um, his little mannerisms where he's doing that little clicky clacky thing, where it's like he's typing on a typewriter, right? That yeah. little that little tism, that little tick there is something similar to what an autistic person would do, right? You you're right. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, because I have the I I have those little ticks as well. Like with with the with the hand movement, like um, whenever whenever I'm doing stuff, like I'm doing it right now with my hand, right uh, talking right now, I'm doing like a little wave of my hand. I do that all the time, constantly. I talk with my hands to my own detriment sometimes, especially like at my day job. Like I can shut off a machine with my hands while I'm trying to talk, and because of a light curtain, right, a protective. Um, barrier there to make sure you don't rip your fucking hand off um so like <laughs> there's been times where i've been talking to somebody i was training and then just like shut off the machine because i do that have a habit of talking with my hands or um like with a pen i'll always constantly be like flicking it um, oh yeah i do that as well so like those little ticks of like needing something to do fidgets essentially um it's a very uh, autistic trait um but here here's the thing that i i was uh getting to here because lunge you're right like lunge kind of absorbs himself in work uh to his own detriment and you see like his family life and his you know everything around him kind of start to suffer to the point where like all was really left for him by the end of or near the end of volume two is tenma's case like, he's essentially worked himself out of everything because he gets too emotionally invested in everything to the point where, like, Tim's case is all that's left for him to even focus on, right? Yeah. But uh, as well, and, and as well, like, um, uh, again, like, what um, an autistic person would do as well, it's like he gets so worked in his case that he actually starts to... Um, Com uh, actually take on personas himself of like um later on in the series he'll be like i am temma i am japanese what would i do like doing that and it's uh, and it's kind of like something i would do i would do as well where um getting into a character like he's in a play yeah 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 and obviously speaking as an actor as well that's ca that's kind of fingers kind of thing as well that i that i do um and also and uh, but also he's uh, he's doing it to kind of like try and get in the psychological mind of a person so but that can be detrimental as well because considering he tries to do it with johan and um yeah nobody wants to get into the mind of johan yeah no shit um it's it's wild though because like I find that little trait one of the more fascinating things about Lunge's character, um, because you see him while he's meeting with like the the Munich police, the, what the senior um, kind of referring to there, where um, he's meeting with them, he's getting in character where he's like getting dressed and uh, greeting them and doing all these little mannerisms to where he's like getting better with chopsticks to try and kind of get more in tune with um, Timma as well. Uh, you see him kind of absorb himself into all of the little mannerisms that a traditional Japanese person would have down to the, the smallest detail just to get into that mindset where he would, even at the like crime scene, he's trying to view it as if it was Timma that was the killer. I am Timma, you know, sitting on the couch, viewing the crime scene and try to go through all of the motions. And then he real starts to realize there... In, in like the Munich chapters, like maybe it's not Tenma that's the killer, but he still doesn't want to admit that he's wrong. Yeah, and it and um again like very very um very much um very much an autistic trait as well because it's like no this this is the way this is the way things are we can't have it being any different. Right, but um 
But yeah, the, yeah, there's, there, there is there is just so much evidence. Like it, it and, I, and I'm glad Orso doesn't doesn't come out and say like I I I am autistic because you can clearly put the pieces to get put the pieces together yourself that Lung is definitely autistic. Oh yeah, but uh, to bring it back to the second volume here, there's the line uh, in there that made me like realize exactly how much this is tied into that time period, and it's essentially like. Where they're um in that that baby portion, right? Um, they're where they're comparing yeah, uh, Johan to both Christ and to Hitler in the same lines. Um, such a good line that, and it makes all the sense in the world to want to manufacture a new version of. Hitler during that time period because it's right when you were seeing the downfall of Germany and you want to continue having that if you were the the generals that were kind of holding up this experimentation you know and they would not accept failure so that they shooed out the original director of it because he wasn't getting results fast enough and then the, the new director that ended up causing the, the whole experiment to fail was trying to rush through it so fast that it ended up causing Johan and the rest of the kids to kind of turn on each other, ending in the that director's death as well. And then you yeah. see the orphanage just kind of fall to shit. Yeah, and um, and um, as it's explained through Dieter, Johan was just watching watching all that time as it all burned burned down, mm-hmm. which is yeah. fucking terrifying. The yeah. imagery of, like, Johan just watching everything burn down around him, you know, as this fucking child at the time, a literal fucking child, like, from some Stephen King bullshit, right? Just watching everything burn down around him yeah. after he's killed it... the director, you know, and forced all the other kids to kill each other. Yeah, it it wouldn't be surpri- it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if um, Urasawa was inspired by Stephen King. For, oh, there's for Johan. definitely some, um, some for, uh, some like um, parallels to some Stephen King works there. Um, and then one of my favorite scenes in the entire series is in this volume. Um, you want to guess what it is? It's the scene when um, Nina or Aunt, or, or Anna uh, has the gun pointed point at the ba- at the baby and. Um, then after she she leaves, it's with fear that he actually pissed himself with fear. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely one of my favorite scenes in fiction. Yeah, Watching which again, this big gangster dude who's named Baby, by the way. I know that is that is so uh, that is so um, stupid, but also terrifying at the same time. Mm-hmm. And watching him just be to his goon, like, so wait a minute, I pissed myself. <laughs> Yeah, um, but this also again just ties in so well to that fairy tale story of the nameless monster in the sense that Anna is just as capable of being a a monster, just as more uh, as capable of being a monster as Yo as Johan because again it's just like the monster the monster splits off into two. Reminiscent of the twin of the twins, Johan and Anna. One went one went east because Anna went to the Red Rose Mansion. One went west because Johan went to Five One One Kinderheim. Yep. 
it's just like when when you really start to think about that, like it only dawned on me when I was like looking at the series, just looking up um, theories and analysis on the actual series. Like, wait a minute, Johan and Anna are the monsters in this story. Everything ties back to that fairy tale, which is why I decided to use that for the opening. Yeah, it's so masterfully written. Yeah, just so wove deep in connected and um what uh and i feel like um we just because i've got i've got um notes um some notes as well um if i can bring them up just briefly yeah so as we get into what the, go ahead yeah go ahead i was going to go on to volume three here if you had any yeah notes. well i i um well go this was in volume one as well but i've just got to bring it up right now Yoan's introduction, where it, the scene where the scene with him, Temma, and um, and Yonkers, um, might possibly be like my favorite scene in any manga and anime ever. Yeah, it's a like, great scene. Just, just the way te, the way Yohan gets under Temma, under Temma's skin and just being like, um, "I was granting your wish, Doctor," all um. All, all, all I, um, all I was doing was making them disappear for you, saying they were better off dead. And Temo should stop because he really can't say anything about that because he did say that. Mm-hmm. He really did, and like, just it's the way that Johan interpreted it that was wrong. But at the same time, he was correct in granting his wish of the, everybody's death there because he did yeah. say the fucking hospital would be better off with them dead. You know. And that's what makes it, and that's what makes you go on such a uh, such a compelling villain in my eyes is that he can he can take your words, and even though you don't mean them uh, in the literal in the literal sense, he will act on them and be like, "I can use this against this person to break them down." Oh yeah, it's it's fascinating. Like, I I honestly think that Johan is the best written character. Best written villain in all of manga. I really not like like I've said before. Not just one the best written villain in um, all of manga, but possibly what are like if I was to make a top ten list of best written characters, Johan would be high up there. Oh yeah, like there are a few characters that have ever compelled me to a story so much as Johan, and I I do find the the DID uh, that. Johan ha- clearly has in the story that disassociative identity disorder. So fascinating because we didn't really see mental illness depicted at at the time that Monster was originally being written. You know, yep. we didn't see it as well written as Urasawa did for any of this. Like, you see autism, you see this DID, you see, you know, anxiety and Tenmo's every action as he goes through the story. You see depression yeah. you see... in fucking Nina, watching her brother stray further and further into the darkness. You see, uh, you, you you see, um, you you see, um, 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 the um the fall the fall of the fall of um the fall from grace with um Eva. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she. I fucking it was so fascinated with her as well, like. The character work in anything Urasawa does is so masterful. Like, Monster, 20th Century Boys, um, Billy Bat, like, all of these have 
well-written characters, but I I always fall more partial to Monster because it was my first Orosawa. Just like yeah, a lot of people will you know fall to either Soul Eater or Fire Force for uh, fucking Okubo. You you see people bounce around for you know what they enjoyed from Kishimoto. It just comes down to what the first work from an author is that you read. It, I see kind of tend to like always fall towards that being my favorite um yeah but i feel like um and we've we've both discussed this before like um with the cat with the current monster like uh, i've um I, i've just gotta say it to people out uh people out there as well if you like the main cast being together and interacting um uh in almost ev- in almost every part of the story then monsters monster is not the story for you because um you don't re- you don't realize this until you actually go until you actually go back and read it you uh, that lung lung eva and nina three of the three of the main characters have no interaction whatsoever in the story yeah it's crazy cuz you would think that they would at least interact at some point right uh, but they don't. It's very, nope. it's very fascinating how we essentially have two completely parallel stories going at the same time, but we also have them yeah. all being told at the very same time frame, right? Because you see yeah. Eva and... go through her own stuff. You see Tema go through his own stuff. You see, you know, Nina, Lunge, uh, Dieter, all of the, all of the fucking doctors. You know, pathologists, the cops, they all really have everything going on at the same time. You see us bounce back and forth between them even, um, especially like near the end of volume uh, four and five where we're getting ready to catch up with Johan um, to um, potentially end his life. And yeah. you see Nina um... and Tenma kind of actually cross paths again. Yeah, and again, this is what I feel like works so well, so well um, uh, with a monster is that it the characters generally do feel honest to god, honest to god, real, despite how it, it, despite how indestructible they make Johan to feel. They make him feel like an actual real, actual real person, like someone you could meet and be like, oh, I can have a conversation with this person, and then have my mind completely broken by them by the end of the conversation. Oh yeah. Um, because uh, because again it's set it's set in our world um like um and just it's making it in, ju- in our time frame but at the it, same time it's you know obviously fictional yeah um so yeah what um and I do and I do like that about the characters is that he doesn't uh, even though Temma is the main character of the story we don't feel like it we don't feel like he's always shoved into the into the story he has his moments in the story where we follow his journey and then it's like okay we've followed him enough for now let's see what someone else is doing for about uh, for a good like te- uh, eight or four or five ten chapters like some sometimes ten chapters because you have in uh, I think it's volume is it volume six where we start the yo the um Han Shufo part 
Yeah, so in that part, like, Temma barely does anything in that part until the very end, and it's mostly yeah. for following Yo Johan's portion of the story. Yeah. So that's what makes him. That's what makes it such a compelling story to what uh, to read because you don't feel like you're. You feel like you know these characters enough, but at the same time, you're not sick to death of them. Yeah, because Volume Five was um, where my notes ended because of the in-flight Wi-Fi. Um, we have. Uh, the end of the glimmer and soup stuff, um, where he passes off yeah. the key. Yeah, oh, and um, yeah, um, let me because uh, I've got the volumes right here. So yeah, volume five. Um, it so the key being exchanged. Um, yeah, yeah, the key being exchanged, and um, um, and Grimmer as well, just as a character, like uh, even though he comes like halfway through the story he does feel like a character in of himself as well mm -hmm. yeah. and he could have been such a very one one off character but in most if... manga he would have been a one off character he would have existed in that volume or not even all of that volume done his thing and then fucked off yeah and um and what's so compelling about about his story is that he basically could have been a yo uh, could have been a yo on in of himself um but he, uh, but he turned out to be um, much more kind-hearted and gentle. But at the same time, uh, what's tragic about his character is that he he was so emotionally damaged, like all his emotions were taken away from him, that he just couldn't feel any anything until near the end when he died. And even when it, even when his son, that's what's the most gut wrenching thing about about his about his character is that he had his son. His son died and. At his funeral, all he could do was smile because of the experiments that had happened to him. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't bode well for your interaction with society. If you're smiling at the death of a kid to them, you'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy, right? Like, if you saw, But that like, is the thing... But that is the thing that there is something wrong with him. Yeah. Well, there's a lot wrong with him, but, like, to, like, the... To the main public, if you were just, like, at a kid's funeral and you saw that, you'd be like, what the fuck? I'm going to stay away from him. He's clearly psycho, right? Yeah. Uh, well, he did go psycho because he was fascinated um, by, uh, well, not so much by a horrific story, more like a superhero. The Magnificent, like, what was the name of the superhero again? I I wish I would have wrote down was the name of that superhero, but I didn't. Uh, let, uh, let me find it. Um, but while you're doing that, uh, there's, uh, in volume three, that's where we actually see where, uh, Eva hits her rock bottom, right? And we're seeing oh, yeah. the act, at that time, we're seeing Nina come back, we s see Timba kind of, like, stuck hitchhiking, but the, the cop is going to visit his kid, and just like, you know what, he's probably innocent, I'll, I'll let him go. We see Lunge cornering Tenma. For the copycat death. Eva doing uh, her rock bottom and revealing that dead man switch. That's, you know, bullshit. Um, in both the Tuesday and Thursday boy story. Where we're talking about essentially the sins we would commit to further ourselves. Which is really a fascinating topic. Because obviously, like, one of them is actually the kid. And the, the actual biological heir that was born out of wedlock with the prostitute. Or the sex worker, sorry. Um... I'm using the terminology that was used in the manga and not the you know, yeah. current terminology. Um, 
but we're we're seeing Johan introduce us the Friday boy to read all of Latin um, to our elderly man who becomes a plot point in the next couple volumes where he's used as essentially bait. Let's call it what it is. Uh, to yeah. get Tenma stuck. But all of that is in one fucking volume. And it still had the ability to not feel bogged down. You know, when you get a volume where like, oh my god, please fucking stop. We don't need every little detail pulled in at once. Looking at you, Samurai 8, right? We're just cramming so yeah. much information in one fell swoop. But I, I feel like that's just a te- um I feel like that's just a testament to um Urasawa as a writer is that everything everything he writes, every bit of di- dialogue he writes, um, whether it's from a character or from a sort, you just get so sucked in that you do- that it, it it doesn't feel like, oh, I want this to I, I I want this to just be over. It's like, no no, keep going on, keep going on, tell me more, tell me more. It's it comes down a lot to the way that he wrote the characters in this volume, right? Because I feel yeah. like if it would have been like your bog standard shonen weekly shonen jump uh, author, right? Take your Tabata or your Kishimoto, you would have you know had to shoehorn six fights in there, or you would have had to like do a bunch of exposition on page one through three, like we got with like Samurai Eight, where you're reading like. Horiko or not Horikoshi, but um, fucking goddamn it, Togashi levels of text, right? Where it's just like brick after brick after brick full of nothing but like exposition and plot dump and lore dump, and then we get into the story. And by the time you've read all that, you're just like, "Fuck, my brain wants to die." Whereas each one of these felt like an actual natural conversation is actually furthering along that plot so naturally because it's it's the way we're telling it in our own universe versus where we're trying to explain your traditional fantasy what have you uh i need to explain how this form of magic works in the span of three pages because i only have 21 pages for my entire uh chapter this week um whereas with this it's like i'm able to have a natural conversation just sitting at a bar or in a restaurant or just you know, between two policemen in a fucking office um, trying to figure out, like, hey, how do we further this case against Tenma? Or is this Johan character a real thing? It's just well-written, well-paced throughout that entire vo- volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I found um, what the superhero was, the Magnificent Steiner. Magnificent Steiner. Yeah. I knew it was magnificent something, um, uh, but yeah, yeah, um, Grimmer just developing that alternate personality because of the same experience he went, he went on. It, it's kind of like, a, if you really think about it, him and Johan are pretty much two sides of the same coin. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, whereas um, Johan represents more of the uh, calm, in, calm intellect, but deeply menacing one. Grimmer, I feel, represents the more brutish one. Yeah, 100%. Um, we, we really kind of spoiled here. like with the- Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But like we said, like, Monster, if you're going to talk about, you have to talk about it. Like, you can't be like, oh, dance around this bit, dance about... No, because everything, even... 
even things like the baby who after his arc I didn't think we would see it when first what when I first watched it. After his like little bit in his story, I didn't think we would see it again. And then he pops back up later on in the story. I'm like, oh my god, it's him again. It's Lister, little Mr. Pisspants. You know? He's yeah. back. I I fucking there's one trope and I don't even think I could call it a trope, but it's a recurring use here. The pencil death or the pen death. Like John Wick style, right? Because you see, yeah, we say Tenma threaten, you know, to rip somebody's carotid artery out with a pen, right? And then we watch in the in one of the interviews with the psychiatrist, him stab a pen into his own fucking ear to just like sever his brain. Um, I I never really thought that that was a common thing, you know. You see it in like um. Chronicles Riddick, you see it in John Wick. I never realized, like, manga had this as well. That, that get completely been blocked out of my memory until I reread this. <laughs> yeah. Which, <laughs> you know, a shame on the, the psyched for uh, <laughs> handing a pen to a serial killer, first of all, who wasn't even chained to the desk, clearly. He could have just, you know, killed him, but no, instead he's like, I'm under Johan's influence, I'm just gonna stab myself in the fucking ear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so, um, um, what volume was that, again? Volume four. Was, volume uh... four, so, so that would be volume two of, um, volume two of the Perfect Editions. No, that would be volume four of the Perfect Editions. Oh, alright, right. right. Because I have the perfect editions as well. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I bought them at the start of the pandemic because <laughs> I wanted to re—I wanted to rewatch the anime while I was stuck at home, right? But no, the fucking anime wasn't on Netflix yet, so I just bought the goddamn manga. Um, so um, yeah, this is where we see the the former cop come into prey as well, right? Uh, who's yeah, recovering yeah. alcoholic that kind of sets in motion like all of these doctors kind of starting to dive into the Johan mystery as well and finding out like all of these goddamn cases are seemingly connected now. Um so we're getting like psychoanalysis of the Johan character. We're getting like all of the the police forces kind of starting to dive into um realizing maybe lunch isn't all there as well, you know. Um but what's being the the leverage for this cop to get clean? is the daughter right so yeah that's been that's essentially the linchpin of this entire volume is that daughter and this cop and we get to see his arc and one of the other doctors kind of um go down this path of recovery and trying to at least visit only for johan to cause everything to go awry because johan is the monster um we have one interesting bit as well, uh, being told throughout volumes four and five, uh, with Johan kind of setting in motion everything for the old vampire, as he's dubbed, to kind of, um, because he's rich magnates, essentially. I think you're uh, Warren Buffett's here in America. Kind of controlling um, wealth 
right? So him trying to get in with him, we see uh, the, the foster family of the actual heir kind of get their wor world rocked while he actually is like, hey, by the way, I'm your son. Here's this fucking rabbit's foot that I don't know how hasn't decayed, you know? I know, right? I, 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 I don't know how I've not lost in all the in all the years. Right. Um. So with that being brought into the fray, we see him kind of getting closer, and then obviously in the last volume we had the girl kind of Colette, I believe her name was. Um, yeah. Kind of just uh, being the wingman to kind of figure out if is he the son or is he not the son of this wealthy magnet, Mr. Vampire. Uh, only for her to be rejected at every turn once she kind of gets him in with, uh, once she helps him, you know. And that kind of like breaks her heart because um, she really did like him as well. Yeah. Um, Latte Frank. Yeah, that was the name. Latte. Nicolette Latte. Um, but um, <laughs> Johan also, <laughs> the, we find out like the original Johan died at age two in this volume as well. Which is yep. interesting. But we also see the cop who had just set up this meeting with his daughter because he had finally progressed enough to where they were comfortable meeting back up with him. And then he dies with a bottle of whiskey in his hand. Yeah, uh, because Johan had to had to bring him up to a roo rooftop and feel like, oh no, you weren't drunk when you killed that kid when you killed that man. Also, the rooftop plays a lot of <laughs> in the next volume. <laughs> yeah, because of Johan's rooftop game where he's like teaching kids like, oh, you want to know how you can become great invincible people? Fall off this roof and see if you live. Child suicide. Wonderful thing, isn't it, Luke? <laughs> yep. Yep. Um and uh that leads me into one of the things that I wanna that I wanna talk about. Like people often say what is the point of Dieter in the story, like after he's re after he's rescued from basically being um uh, being the reenactment for Johan. Um and I feel like they misunderstand uh, Dieter as a character in that he's the kind of kid that's like i don't want to follow down the start path anymore uh, but also i need to be the one there to keep these two characters in check from going down the same dark path and basically destroying themselves yeah it, I, I don't know what your opinion is on yeah, i'm oh, kind of uh, torn on teacher um because he doesn't really serve a whole lot later on past around here other than being like this grounding force for Tenma um but there's I feel like he's the one weaker portion of the story um he's not a horrible character obviously because he does serve no. purpose but he I feel like he could have been a little bit more important um, yeah I, I think I think it's kind of the thing like he's not old enough to kind of like be woven into this like really deep psychological complexity right. he's obviously not old enough he's not developed enough and he's uh, not meant to be you know 
walking around child soldiering with fucking Nina or <laughs> fucking Tenma here carrying a sniper rifle or a pistol, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, but that that would be pretty funny if um if um Dio if Dio was the one at the end of the story was like ah I found the devil I was the one that uh, took the kill shot on uh, well the almost kill shot on Johan. Yeah, it, it would have been cool in a way, like, but I I feel like having him be this more grounding character serves the purpose well. Yeah. Um, what I will say is, like, his role here and, like, the rooftop game stuff really does make him shine. Uh, and his moment with Eva as well, uh, kind of during the, where Roberto kind of picks up on the scent, that was a nice uh, bit for him as well. He's, like, trying to talk sense into Eva before Tinma fucks off again. <clears throat> um, after she gets shot for being nosy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, but I feel like that was his biggest times to shine. Um, yeah, that was yeah, that was definitely um the biggest of the times that he did shine. Um but I think now I think now we need to kind of discuss um the en- the ending of the vampire of the vampire of Munich where we have a recreation of the. Uh, we have another recreation of Five One One Kinderheim, only this time with books and people. Books, people, and love, which is classified as an experiment by this old Nazi scientist. Yeah, <laughs> which is wild to think that love is such a foreign fucking concept. But I mean, I get it because there's kids in you know America that don't get love from their parents or their parental figures. So I kind of understand it, uh, but fucking Grimmer really shines in this volume um, as this man who's on this mission to uncover what the hell's going on. But at the same time, he's willing to just happily, seemingly happily, get tortured. You know, and uh, I, I, when he, when that happens, and it's like his fingernails are just being pulled up on my own. It's like, oh, oh, because anybody who's like um, tried to trim their fingernails but doing some so short that they bleed, it's like, it's probably one of the most irritating things you could go through. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I broke one of my nails down to fucking quick this morning, and. Um... That shit fucking hurts. I can't imagine getting them ripped off one by one. No, I'm good. Absolutely fine. I, I would I would sooner drink bleach. <laughs> yeah, don't drink bleach. Yeah, so please do not drink bleach. I don't think I should have to fucking say that, but considering our former president said that cured COVID, uh, apparently people are stupid enough to believe anything I'm in that's said, so please don't. Uh, do that. Oh, that. That was a thing that happened in American history. Uh, but uh, yeah, volume five is where like all my notes end. Uh, so kind of bounce off of you here, Luke, for the rest of this. Yeah. So, um, well, I really didn't take any notes. I was because I was just like, um, really just so enjoying the story that I thought, 
oh, that when I realised that, oh crap, I haven't taken any notes. But that's just again just so powerful about it. But yeah, because um, uh, I'm going through the for, uh, going through the volumes as well, um, and just um, even though even though this guy um, like this. Um, orphanage guys doing the same kind of experiments the fact um the fact that the kids still view him as like grandpa like that just i don't know how how i feel about that like when he dies like is it is it meant to um is it meant to make us feel like as dead as, as dead inside as grimmer probably feels like i i i find this fascinating because i i was trying to interpret like what we were supposed to feel here Obviously, everybody's interpretation of a story is different, you know, so... Obviously, my interpretation is a little bit different than yours, probably. But, like, I feel like we were supposed to be, like, empathetic, because it seemed like he had kind of learned that, like, fest helping that hatred fester wasn't worthwhile. We just want these kids to be the next generation, but at the same time, we also want them to be better than we are, right? And that's a lesson I guess he was trying to instill. While also trying to, you know, recreate portions of the project, obviously. But he wanted to do it in a different way and teach a different message. Um, so I don't think he was, like, fully trying to recreate everything for the experiment. I think he was trying to actually raise a family in his own sick, twisted way. Because we see this, um, this prevailing theme as we go on. Um, one of the scenes that really made it kind of stick out to me is where... Um, we saw the former, um, we saw Ava and the other dude just kind of sitting there in the, the, like, outside area where they were holed up, um, after the other, um, police director, right, was kind of, like, trying to help Tim lay low there, how they, neither one of them had sat down and ate a meal, like, at all, they kind of lost what that felt like, that sense of family and, you know, togetherness that they kind of long for, you know, because we see wealth go up and up and up and up for the one, and then yeah. Ava just sink lower and lower and lower and lower to where she has no one to surround herself with anymore because she's burned every bridge that she had. And in a sense, they both did, uh, but for different reasons. So having them sit down and have this meal kind of made you empathize with them. I feel like that's kind of how we're supposed to feel about the former director here because it seemed like he had learned from his past. But all far too late. Oh, absolutely, definitely. And um, at the at the end of Volume 5, when we have uh, with, with Detective Sook, um, like this... When I when I saw that when I saw this, I, I um because it, it leads into um volume six, uh, I was just I was just like blown away of just how well this twist was done, where it's revealed that the person um Suk is uh, is actually talking to this whole time about all these problems with the cops and everything, and how he and how he doesn't want to believe that this um cop that he looked up to was a really um awful person it was johan the whole time impersonating garner mm -hmm. like when i saw that i was like the first time i was like this is pro this is one of my favorite series oh like, absolutely because you do you 
do not see that coming a mile away. But even though you can kind of get gander at the fact that this is not Arna we're talking to here, we're, we're seeing here it's someone completely different, but you don't expect this to be Johan impersonating his sister. No, not at all. Original Thinboy, confirmed. Uh... <laughs> yep, yeah, I guess so. So, Red, Red if you want a evil Femboy, you've got Johan. <laughs> if you think Red's watching this video, you're out of your mind. Uh, oh yeah, I'm 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 completely out of my mind. Well, I mean it's like four in the morning there. <laughs> near enough, near enough. Yeah, um, but like they're they're so it's so fascinating to see how the lengths that Johan is willing to go to to further his evil gain here in this universe. That I I had completely forgot how desperate in his own right that he was to kind of become the monster from the fairy tale it's... oh yeah absolutely well he i i feel like he does want to become that but then when it, you see it later on in the series where he actually reads the story again and he passes passes out and i feel like at that point he starts to um he starts to change uh, he starts to change his motion because he goes from like uh i'm I'm going to be the monster of this story because it's a story I've repressed in my memory. And then when he actually gets his eyes on the story, it's like, no, the only, the only thing that will, the only thing that will truly make, uh, make me great is if I have the perfect suicide. Cause this way literally starts to change his plans of like, I'm going to be the last one standing at the fate at the end of the earth. Mm -hmm. It's, it's crazy, right? Cause you're right. You see but, the, yeah, but I'm just going to quickly, but it just goes back to, again, like at the end of that story, you just see the Johan boy in the story alone, mm. desolate in a way, in a way. So again, even though he's changed his plan of like, um, uh, from his initial notion of being the, mo it's still the uh, driving factor of, of his, of his goal, even towards the end of the story. Of just being right. the only one to have the perfect suicide in the perfect name. Right, like I, I'm so fascinated with that, right? Because you have a character who seems to set off on this this path. It's almost parallel to Kogias for me, right? Because you see in Lelouch's descent into becoming essentially like the perfect martyr, right? Um. To get peace for all of the Japanese people at the end of Kogias. Um, if you succeed in that is to your own interpretation. Uh, if you've seen the movies. But you um, see Johan try to achieve this like martyrdom to kind of escape becoming the monster. While also essentially becoming the monster himself, right? Because you see him slowly change his thoughts like you were saying. On what's right, what's wrong. Does he want to go down this path fully, or does he want to abandon it? And you see, like little bits and pieces throughout, where like you can see the breaking in his psyche. Like, please take me out before I go too far. Um, the nose left to Tenma, right? Yeah. Because he realizes how far he's actually gone. But yeah. the other psyche inside him is determined, basically, to go fully down the path of evil. Yeah, and the way I've uh, now rereading re the story, I, what I've always interpreted his perfect suicide of being is that he is able to be killed 
by le- but also leaving no trace of his existence whatsoever. Like that's the way I've interpreted going back. But as we know, fate will always intervene in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, that's something uh, that now I've kind of interpreted on the ending of the series because we'll get to the ending in in, in um, soon enough because it's so it's such a good ending um, but a lot of people are like that's it oh yeah and i get it in a way right because you expect so fucking much when you get this massive build up it was never really meant to be this gigantic bombastic finale that everybody thought it would be right because you see the the lead up to what well, would essentially you know to the traditional shonen meathead be this like anticlimactic, but you realize it's going to be right because nothing in this story is meant to be fantastical, right? It's meant to be no. grounded in reality. Where like how far are human beings willing to go? We see it time and time and time and time again, like from cults to like serial killers to everything that where they actually desperately want to be caught. Or they want to not take it down as far as they are, but they see it get out of their hand. Um, But at the end of the day, you still have to breach that ending. You have to get to the conclusion. And when we get to the conclusion, it's just plain. You see the confrontation, and it ends. Yeah. And that's how the story is meant to be told. Obviously, like, we never got it, but there's a, a... sequel or a like conclusion called another monster um where we actually see like the true ending so to speak um yeah uh, but apparently according to several people who've actually read translations it's not uh they're saying it's not the case um although i can't really um be known for sure about it but i did post our comments on my interpretation of the ending which here here it here it goes um, is that so Johan was always a someone who just who he never had a chance to know what his actual name was, which is why he was like the monster is dying for is dying for a name. Uh, but at the end of the series, you actually see Temma go and find out like, oh, I know your mother's told me what your name what your name is now. Um, and she still loves you and the fact that there's still people who he's still yeah, yeah i put it here johan has a name now he no longer is the nameless monster and therefore no longer the bit the beast and johan now has traces of him in the world johan exists so therefore he go uh, so yeah therefore he leaves at the end to go somewhere that may uh wherever that may be to find himself a new purpose in life and that's kind of always been like the interpretation that I had as well, because you, when you are in the system, right, whatever the system is, and everything's taken away from you, where you have no knowledge of your past life, you have no knowledge of anything before, or you no longer have a name, or you no longer have anything but this designation that's been given to you, you realize that nothing really matters to you, you're just existing to exist at the moment Uh, and then once you escape into the real world 
you try to find that purpose again. But the only thing that really resonated with Johan up to that point was that fairy tale. That's why when he originally sees it early on in the series, he's shaken to his core because he remembers the story that he was told or that he latched onto. And once he started down that path of you know, creating a name for himself and trying to create this life only to, in the end, be given back that life that he never really had, it kind of broke him in a way all over again and fractured him more. So he needed to set out and try and find a new purpose since he no longer had to be the nameless monster. And once you you have that purpose again and you want to try and find your way back into life, you know, it, it kind of creates its own new, unique set of rules for you. You try and go out and do good in the world if all you've done is evil. Sometimes, yeah. obviously, you can't atone for anything that you've done. And obviously, there's no way in hell that Johan can atone for all the sins he committed throughout the story. Oh, absolutely not. But at the same time, it's like... Because... It, the that drunk um at the in the after the massacre which by the way the massacre arc is probably one of my favorite um bits of the story in uh, like just that final final confrontation and everything because it just you just feel like um some uh, something bad is going to happen something bad is going to happen but you don't you don't know when when the moment is actually going to happen um but yeah this uh yeah going back to that it's um like when that guy sees Johan in the streets, like um, threatening to kill his son, he sees the devil that Johan truly is. So therefore, he's seeing the monster. So he's the one that basically ends the monster in Johan. Mm -hmm. So now that Yo and now Johan now has a new way of life. It's kind of like how does he? How does he? Um, how does he make the best of it? Yeah, and it's hard. It's going to be a massive challenge for Johan to sit there and make a new life for himself and have to kind of go through all of this. But at the same time, nobody that was in the story escapes without some form of impact on their life, right? Everybody is affected yeah. by the weight of their own sin. Everybody is affected by the absolute absurdity that transpired in the story having to deal with the Johan situation, having to deal with the own fallout of their own mistakes, looking to everybody that fell down a rabbit hole trying to kind of escape their own reality. Like, Ava could never go back to her original life, right? No. Lunge could never go back after as far as they went. Timma will yeah. never be the same. Nobody would be able to return to their previous life. No. Even, um... um... Even um, uh, even some even some of like the most minor characters. Like again, we see um, at the end of the story, we see the vampire vampire um, and uh, of Munich and his son, and they're just there, just reminiscing on what on what happened and how they've changed over the story and how they they can never go that back. But at the same time, it most of it most of it is for the bet is for the better because. What um, people going? Pe most of the people that went through this tra went through this tragedy and this awful, horrendous event actually came out better as people in the end, mm -hmm. which is uh, something I don't think Johan even anticipated. Right, like there's 
so much. Like, I never... Like, when I first watched this series, like, 2010, I never really thought there was a more broken but better off-cast in any form of storytelling, right? Because we saw every character in this series reach a breaking point. Some of them multiple times. Yeah. And then we see some of them come out way better off than before, but we also see some of them are, have become absolutely irrefucking-deemable. Like, oh, I, yeah. I'd like, be shocked if by the end of it, half of this cast isn't either on, like, Suicide Watch or dead <laughs> from the trauma yeah. that they have... <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, well, two of them are already dead from the trauma that they went through. Um, those being Grim, Grimmer, Grimmer, and Roberto. Which can't believe we've gone through this entire uh, we've gone through this entire video and not mentioned Roberto um, at once. Yeah, well, does he really matter? <laughs> well, technically, he does because he's the one that's able to do the things that Johan can't do in the story, like be the um, be the one who's like. Um, Oh, I'm uh, I'm gonna do most of the killing for uh for Johan. Yeah, I I will say this though, his fight with Lunge is probably one of the best fights in the series. Yeah, just yeah. like the straight up gun guns guns blaze, like yeah, they both have guns and they're both like um uh, uh taking digs at each other. Oh, very much so. Very like, much so. Like, Roberta just being like, "Oh, what, 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 what are you now without without your daughter in your life?" Right? Like, holy shit! Ugh. Fucking eleven o'clock here. <laughs> so, I, I, I really think that as much as I didn't care for Roberto's character, right? Like, I, I, I understand his necessity, but I just didn't like him. Um. I think his his shit was pretty fucking traumatic. Like, goddamn. Yeah, like he he was following Johan because he truly believed in him, and then by the end of the story, he's like, "Oh no, I'm just another pawn, another life that uh, that is only equal in death." Right. Like it's crazy when you think about it. Like he was so easily manipulated. But at the same time, he seemed to be one of the more well-thought characters, too. He's, yeah. He's not a dumbass. Oh, absolutely not. fell down the rabbit hole of essentially, like, cult mentality. Uh, mm-hmm. And that falls to any one of Johan's followers, down to the kids. But the kids were easily manipulated because he essentially went down the same path that he was led on. At five eleven, you know. Yeah, but the the adults are at the adult adults are. I feel are the wor the worst of cases because they 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 could very easily be noted to themselves like, oh, we're being manipulated here. But at the same time, they they want to trust Johan because they feel like, oh, he's going to lead the world into this new age.
did I? Yeah, you cut out there for a minute. All right. Uh, I was just saying, like, um, the adults are, I feel, um, had it more worse than the kids because they could have very easily seen themselves being manipulated. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think, out of everything here, there's a, a necessity to dive down one other portion of this before we start wrapping this up. And yeah. I I really do think that Nina's story arc is probably the better of the two in one way. We actually get to see where she ends up by the end of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, just from the fact that everything she went oh my god everything she went through in this story from her adopted parents being um being killed being killed to the fact that she was the one she was the one who was uh who um shot yo johan i i i i loved that uh when that twist was revealed uh that she was capable of pulling the trigger just as much as Johan wanted, wanted her to and how that psychologically broke her and just um, it, it, she's just like um, unaware like she seems to re- uh, after uh, after a while repress Johan but then when he starts to come back into her life and realise who she re- re- really is again going on this rabbit hole of finding out where she came from and the fact uh, and one of the great thing great things that I feel uh, one of the great reveals that I think happened in the series is when she believes and everyone else believes Johan went to the Red Rose Mansion, but it's revealed that no, he didn't go, she went, but he made her believe that he was the one that went into the Red Rose Mansion. Oh, yeah. Like, and not to mention, like, how the length she was willing to go to to prevent Tenma from being the one that pulls the trigger at the end because she's fully believed. That he was meant to heal, not kill. Yeah, and I love I, I love that about it because uh, about like um, the relationship that um, and just the trust that um, uh, Nina uh, that Nina has in Tema of the fact like no, this is not you. You are not a killer. You are a healer. Mm-hmm. And we see that throughout these series, like from Tema going down to the the. Not willingly, but become like the underground doctor for a while. We see him help out the uh, the underage doctor that is performing back alley medicine. We see so often the lengths that he's willing to go to. From random civilian number 82, he's willing to sit there, bandage them up, make sure they're well off, and then continue on this path, just proving Nina right at every step that he was meant to be a healer. Yeah. No matter what happens in the story, he is always going to be that force of good. Yeah, even even though even though he um he unintentionally created possibly the worst that the the worst um person ever to grace Germany in this world. Right, like no no matter what, he is definitely not without sin by allowing Johan to live when he was originally yeah. injured. You know. Yeah, but. That that's just like like I said at the beginning. That's just such the that's again just one of the most fascinating things I find about this story is that um, if you could go back in time, it, it, you do not know what people what people who you save are truly capable of. So the the fact that 
he, if he could go back in time and say to himself, like, look, this guy's going to kill up, uh, going to grow up to be, uh, be an irredeemable monster. Um, so would you still save him? But even then, I still think uh, Tenma would have actually done it, even if he, even if he knew uh, what Johan, even if he knew what Johan was capable of doing, he he would have done it. Which, oh, uh, he he would have still saved him. Which, oh my God, this draws so. Uh, again, I've got to uh, again. I'm all. I'm gonna tie it back into dot two. Um, at so, I'm going to tie it back into Dot 2 now because it so eerily reminds me of the dilemma that the Doctor has in the um, in the classic story Genesis of the Daleks where he goes back in time to when the Daleks are being created and it has the butterfly effect of like he knows that he can destroy the Daleks right there but he's like does he have that right because if he does that then and he commits genocide on a race he's no better than them and Eve, and he even brings up the uh, the moral dilemma of like, if you knew this guy, this um, person grew up to be an evil, monstrous dictator, would you be able to? Would you be able to kill that kill that child? And this is brought full circle with the twelve dots when he actually meets a younger Davros, who's the creator of the Daleks, and um, he's like, oh my god, if I save this guy, he's gonna grow up to be the to be the creator of the most evil force in the universe. It's it's all ties back into the the baby Hitler dilemma, right? Like if you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler, would you, right? And uh, even even though and um, I've answered this question before, and and I would be like, no, because it create the butterfly effects of like if I went back in if I went back in time and killed Hitler, then I would erase my own existence. Right, and like I I firmly. Uh... Like, science and science fiction are two of my favorite things, and for various, you know, different reasons. But, like, the butterfly effect has always been one of the most fascinating things to me. Because no matter what you tie yourself into, if you change one thing, it can lead to infinite differences in the reality that you currently live in. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, for the, the theoretical of killing baby Hitler, you could potentially create an even more monster, you know? Or you can yeah. create a utopia where nothing goes wrong. Is that really worth the risk when you think about theoreticals uh, like that, right? No, um, at, at, this po- at this point in the world, in the world, if you did go back, if you did go back in time and killed, hit, uh, killed baby Hitler, the world today would be a different place. Like, I, I guarantee... 100% half the people today wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for World War II. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I, I do think that the world would be just a completely different reality, right? Because yeah. it would be. And yeah. we could have flying cars and, you know, the Jetsons going on, or we could have a fucking Stone Age in this year with one theoretical change like that. Yeah. It's the same um, thing for Johan, and then this theoretical that you're putting out there. Like, if he were, were to go back and change his actions, what would, what would the world be like for him? The year he lives in could have our technology now, right? Yeah, or but, it could be Oonga Boonga Caveman era. Yeah, but also as well, the um, 
the the idea of him going back in time and saving and saving uh, and saving the mayor instead of Johan, um, it would have it would have um, led to Temer still being just used as a pawn for the director of the hospital. Exactly. Yeah, because so, it's like uh, at the beginning of the series where he writes that where he writes that thesis for for the hospital, he doesn't get any of the credit. I don't think for writing nope. it. Nope, they just take credit for it, and that's so fucking common in those professional fields. Like, you do a little bit of research, and then somebody else ending up taking credit for it. Yeah, I mean, but, even when uh, I was in IT, I had that happen to me. So yeah, um, but um. Also, to go back to the Doctor Two story again, like at the end, um, they say like even though the Daleks will cause mass destruction throughout the universe, they believe that out of all of that, good does come. Good does come with it, and that's the nature of um, all life. All life is that through through our darkest hours and all and um, all of that, um, good does eventually come. Good does eventually come in portions, whether big or small, and it's. The same here with Monster, like, even though Johan did all these terrible tragedies and everything, um, good still came out of it. Like, Nina Nina came out of it, I feel, more more stronger than ever about her future. Mm-hmm. And that's such yeah. a cool, cool little bit, right? Because with, with that bit of Nina getting, you know, more confident in her own existence, we see the that even the darkest negatives in our lives can kind of just bring out at least one little glimmer of hope and reality, right? Like, I look back to, like, my own life. Like, there's been dark-ass moments in it where I'm like, well, I don't see any bright outcome of it. And then I sit down and I actually think, like, well, if I had made it this far, I wouldn't have met this person or I wouldn't have been able to do this or that or the next thing. And it's... It's refreshing in its own right. So even with Johan being this goddamn psycho psychopathic monster, you know, Nina ends up in this better place mentally. And it's such a great thing because it shows that with her renewed faith in her own life, she can continue to go on and actually make change and help other people now that her story is over with Johan. I think she's arguably the best off out of them. Oh, absolutely, definitely. Because Tema still, I get uh, even at the uh, right to the very last scene of the last scene of the series. Even though he says that um, he's leaving, it's goodbye. It's goodbye. This will probably be the last time they ever see each other. Uh, I still feel like um, there'll be still little um, glimpses of Johan in his mind that will show up from time to time. It's essentially like a PTSD storyline there, right? Because he literally went to war here throughout the series. Like, it's it's hard to think about, you know, given our context of war, but he had his own personal war with Johan here. Yeah. So he would be traumatized from that. Like, all the chaos that came just simply by him saving him would traumatize him for life. Absolutely. So what do you think would actually happen after this? Like, if we didn't have another monster, you know, kind of ending it, but not really, what do you think Johan's path is? Like, where do you think he is now? I think where he is right now is that he is that um, he he escaped the hospital. Like, I feel like 
that is pretty pretty for a pretty foregone conclusion unless he um uh or, or or it could be or it could be the fact that uh he was he was always in that coma until the end of his days like it could go either way but I'd like to think that uh, because Johan now knows what his name actually is, he ha- uh, he now doesn't feel the need to be the nameless monster and can find and can find a new path from uh, new path in life. Um, whether whether um, um, because he tried his best to erase everything about him because he didn't feel like he was worthy of being loved, but his mother still loved him regardless of everything he did in the series. So I feel like he's laying low, finding a new way in life. I I think he... Because we see that he's good with children, right? Even if it was originally for like his own manipulation. I feel like he kind of took over from the former director and started actually taking kids in. The kids that are just neglected. Because through every sick, twisted game, he did seem to be, you know, at least good with that. So he does know yeah. he's good at something, and he would need to be good at something, characteristically. Yeah. But also as well, I feel like Johan, who he was, died died in the massacre, and now the new Johan, whatever his real name is, is now the one uh, out, out there feeling a new lease on life, essentially. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, it really, it, oh my god, it really does feel like... Um, the the Christ analogy again, like Johan um, be, uh, being, um, for lack of a better word, crucified, um, uh, dying for dying for the sins of everyone in the series, even himself, and then being resurrected resurrected again um, uh, after after showing Temba his fi- his final secret that he had, like did his mother truly love him, and uh, and uh, uh, or was he, or was she just trying to protect his sister? Uh, and I feel like the mother really didn't have any choice in the matter because they were going to take one kid anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but one thing, uh, but um, so I feel like that's my interpretation of it. That he's just um, a new lease on life, and probably, like I said, taken over, taken over for the former director who. Uh, who is um far if you look on the wiki is actually his uncle mm-hmm. it's weird yeah. to think which means which means the puppet uh, which means the puppet master uh, the pu- pu- puppeter that uh, Nina and Dita meet um is actually their cousin yep it's crazy right because that's a whole nother level of fucked up that happened during that era the uh, yeah like you're just experimenting on your relative how fucked is that um but i'd i'd like to think that there's some some bit in there that you got um like i said i figure he would take over for the former director but i also do think that he would 100 percent still hold on to a piece of that um old psyche in case it would he would ever need to return right because people that have that like break in their character never fully let go of it when they kind of create a new person. Um, so each one of them essentially sits locked in a box. Um, so there's a old Batman story where uh, 
I forget how you pronounce it. I think it's Azunar. Uh, it, where the darker side of Batman exists as him. The one that's willing to go farther. But he has to lock it away in like this Pandora's box style like mind meld where he doesn't ever want to go too far, right? And I kind of figure that's essentially like the same with Johan, right? That that Johan would always be there as a reserve for if it's needed, but never wanting to actually dig deep and unlock that that personality again because he knows that he might not be able to come back if it was to come yeah. uh, back out. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can see that. And um, the perfect example of this is again like Wolf, Wolf uh, with Grimmer. Um, how, um, developing that um, persona of the Magnificent Steiner and when it actually does come out in the series he's realised like there's no turning back now mm -hmm. and that's just a part of that type of person that's went through that kind of, that much trauma or has like DID right where they have multiple personalities and they just kind of rotate between them as needs arise right yeah it's but fascinating actually but you know who else I feel like would um, uh, has um, uh, uh, would come out stronger as an individual um, from from this experience? Lung, Lunge himself, mm -hmm. like he would, he, he would, um, he. I feel like he's because he's he, he ends by being a teacher, by being a teacher rather than a detective, and I feel like his method of teaching would be what he learned over the series that. No, uh, that nothing or no one is 100% perfect. Yeah. And that's a good lesson to be passing on, right? Especially during that era. Because... Yeah. But at the, but at the same at the same time at the same time um at the same time he all he also would be teaching them like don't take anything as face value. Look at all, all the look at all the pieces and um uh, and make and uh, make judgments and if you're wrong, you're wrong, but at the same time, it's not the end of the world as well, which I feel, again, would be a great message for him uh, for him to learn, um, which I think he does, uh, which he obviously does. He obviously learns that, no, I was wrong in this situation, but at the same time, it it's kind of the feeling that I feel like he kind of needed to have happened to him mm -hmm. for the better. Right, like... 100%. Like, he needed to learn on his own, right? That he's not all... He's not infallible. And the the fact that we had him go through this major development and end up being a teacher, like, I figure his classes would probably be something that would inspire change in that era, right? Because we see that people still hold on to the past desperately in this era. Their, you know, prejudices, their, you know, hatred towards each other and everyone around them but at the same time their selves for what they and that was another big thing that went through, on throughout this right is the self-hatred for what they done to kind of live on you know even though yeah. the director hated his actions under the regime but and i feel like at the end he did learn like i said but um lunge learning from like being kind of ostracized from every investigation early on and then trying to you know kind of learn the lesson of like i'm not always right and passing that on is such a wonderful arc for him and with him teaching now 
he'd be, you know, essentially with Dieter and all of them around that age group, he would eventually get them, and you know, you would be able to kind of reconnect to the past a bit too, in its own right. Yeah. And as for Dieter, I feel I feel like he'll become a doctor in the future. Oh yeah, like he would become a doctor. Um, probably taught somewhat by Tenma over the course of the story. Yeah. Tema and the um, older older doctor that um, becomes um, basically his legal guardian. Because mm-hmm. well, Tema didn't really want to deal with that anymore. <laughs> no, no. I've held on to this child for too long, you know. And he doesn't want you know Dieter to go down any further than he already did, following him around. He's already seen enough bullshit. Mm-hmm. But. Like, there's just so much wonderful in this, and I, I'm i still, to this day, eternally fascinated with the series. Even this video, like, fucking hell. Sitting at, uh, let me click OBS here. Sitting at an hour and a half, roughly. Like, it's it's really fun to dive down this. Um, obviously, there'll be other deep dives into different series. Some of them, yeah. you know, definitely not yeah. recorded at Luke's 4.30 in the morning and my uh, hitting on yeah. what, 11 o'clock, almost 11.30. Yeah, because um, cause, uh, if you think this series could break up, could break a person, yep, we've got, we've got another series that could, that just happened to break the British, the British guy in this call. <laughs> well, I mean, you got two, you got Sword Art Online, which I'll be in for. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got Sword Art Online. Uh, yeah, it'll be a probably you Ann Arbor and Tyler video, which will be funny to view. More than likely. Um, but yeah, so even though he had finally found a name, there was no one left to call him by it. What a wonderful name it was, Johan. It's the end of the poem that kind of led us down this whole rabbit hole of a wonderful, wonderful tale. I'm sure we'll touch other Orosawa works because we're simps for him. But um, until then. Oh yeah, absolutely. Peace. Peace.